Hey, what's going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Dylan's Discourse. I'm Dylan Friedland. Join alongside my good friend Sterling at IslesXCats on Twitter. And well, Sterling, the Panthers, they came back and they tied up the series at one last night to head into game three, tied at one apiece, heading into Washington. And I think we're just going to come out here and give some of our opinions on basically what we saw in those first two games and what there is to look ahead for the Florida Panthers as they try and win their first playoff series in 26 years. And I think the big thing that we've kind of both talked about over these last few days is really just in the transition game for the Panthers and how they really struggled in game one, kind of getting into that offensive zone and really getting through the, getting by the one, three, one trap that Washington was playing. What was your opinions on that Sterling? Yeah, definitely continued into game two as well. The first period had me quite nervous, not going to lie, up until the first goal of the game, which was just take a shot, took a weird bounce, and found the back of the net. Afterwards, they got another quick one to go up 2 nothing, And like you said to me, that kind of forced Washington to rethink their game a little bit, down 2 nothing heading into the second. We got to get the offense going a bit more so they sacrificed some of their defense. From that point on, Panthers completely dominated the game in my mind. Um, it got a little rough in the third period, but by then the game was at 5-1. They do need to be careful uh, starting the game off strong. You don't want to go down to this Washington team because they are going to do a good job playing defense clogging up the neutral zone so something to look out for for games three and four who's gonna score that first goal yeah I think it reminds me I'm sure you'll like this it reminded me a lot of like previous year Isles teams I think back to 2020 in that Panthers Islanders series where the Islanders basically were just scoring first and the second they jumped out to a lead they, they kind of just parked the bus and that's a term I know you've loved to use and it's something that worries me in this series that if the Panthers don't jump ahead early, that Washington with this 1-3-1 is going to kind of just park the bus a little bit and not give us any chances. I agree. Scoring first with Ekblad, which is taking a shot. It's a really just gritty goal. It's those types of goals where you need good puck luck, but it's a type of goal you see that happens in the playoffs when both teams are really neck and neck, really tough defensively. Panthers needed that. Then they come right back with that unbelievable play by Jonathan Huberto to set up Barkov, who both of them kind of looked invisible in game one, but they came out with that amazing play uh, to give them that 2-0 lead. And then, yeah, the ice really opened up, I'd say, for both teams after that happened because Washington kind of moved away from their 1-3-1 a little bit. And that's where you start to see the Panthers really become themselves, where they are really great up on the rush, coming in with speed, setting up scoring opportunities and getting those odd man rushes, which they weren't able to do when Washington had that 1-3-1 happening. I think yeah, another... I think they were doing a good... Yeah, go ahead. You, you go ahead. Yeah, all right. I think they're doing a good job in the second period getting through with their zone entries. Little bit of dump and chase, but to me, it looked like they were entering the offensive zone. Just fine, of course. That's because they had already scored the couple goals. But you could see Washington's defense break down in a similar way to the Panthers did in game one, third period. 
having a two on O chance that the Panthers made absolutely no mistake on. So yeah, definitely breaking through that trap is going to be essential early on in the game with a couple goals. And from there, just keep on rolling with it. Something else with the whole transition game thing that I was noticing was just how easily Washington was breaking out of their zone. The Panthers, it looked like at least through the first four periods of this series, the Panthers four check wasn't all there. It looked to me like Washington was really just getting out of their defensive zone super easily. They were just passing it up the ice really quickly. It wasn't until I want to say the Panthers fourth goal of the game yesterday where Verhage made that uh, great play to keep it in the zone, pass it over to Lundell, and Lundell and Reinhardt had that two-on-0 play to score that goal, that I really kind of saw that start to shift where the forecheck kind of started to finally work, and they prevented, uh, they prevented Washington from successfully exiting the zone, which I think that's another thing is they need to keep the foot on the gas when Washington has the puck in their own zone. That forecheck has to be aggressive, and it has to work because that's kind of what the Panthers are based off of. I think you could credit – a bit of that lack of forechecking and maybe getting used to the playoffs. Uh, they ended the season quite cold after their win streak. They were resting guys and, you know, everyone was expecting them to lose those games at the end because they wanted to stay healthy for the playoffs. But maybe not by 10 to 2, though, but yes. Yeah, maybe not 10 to 2. Uh, happened anyways. But I think it's very difficult for the team to just completely go back to what they were playing like with their record setting win streak definitely you could see as game two progressed they looked a bit more like the team uh, that heartbreakingly came back and beat the Isles just a few weeks ago yeah well we're not going to talk about the Islanders here much (laughs) unless I mean although there are some similarities with how the defensive play style and it just reminded me though of those previous years. But speaking of times when the Panthers have played the Islanders, I look back to game four in 2020 and we saw Sergei Bobrovsky not having a great game, kind of costing them a game there. But however, through the first two games of this series, Bob has, I don't want to say terrific, but he's been really good. I don't want to jinx anything, but (laughs) I'm only giving up four goals on however many shots. It was a whole lot. He has been unbelievable. I think game one, I saw some people giving him a little bit of blame. I thought he could have easily given up six goals and we would have been like, oh, that's so Bob. But he only gave up three goals in game one. And I thought he made tons of terrific saves. You look last night at last night's game, he gave up that one softy. I don't remember who it was. Was it Backstrom on the power play? Yeah. Uh, where it was a tough angle. He should have made that save. He should have been covering that post. But only giving up one and then being great the rest of the game, I'm not going to blame him for any of that. I think he's been really great and – if he's, I only said at the start of the series that he needs to be average and will win. He's been well above average so far. Yeah, definitely. I think in the first game of the series, I couldn't pinpoint any of the goals as really being his fault. You know, he had a breakaway in there, two on one goal. Uh, so, yeah, obviously he let in three goals. I didn't really think it was his fault when the defense broke down in front of him. Something to notice, I guess, with his game. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I've been noticing a little bit his, if you will, play on the post has been okay at best. Like you said yesterday, letting in that weak side goal reminded me of one he let in this year against Carolina. And then 
no you said no islanders but also that was game four in 2020 letting in weak goals on the post and then also last night besides that goal there was a chance um on the first period of the game where washington went behind the net can't remember exactly who it was but curled basically right in front to Bobrovsky's side and Bobrovsky was way down in the butterfly position. I was sitting on that side of the ice and he left a lot of the upper net open, fortunately got a shoulder on it. So that might be a fundamental issue for him to work out. I don't really think that's going to cost the Panthers anything because, you know, you got so little chances on there, but otherwise, aside from that, he's looked really strong. And definitely going down the stretch, he proved to me that he was going to be their game one starter, taking it completely from night. Definitely hasn't disappointed, at least not yet. Yeah, I'd agree. And I mean, that play that you're talking about, I don't imagine the Panthers are going to give up tons of opportunities that close in front of the net. I, at least I hope they won't. I hope the defense is going to be a little bit better than that in that regard. And I agree. I mean, I was not sure completely about Bob being that starter. I was like, I thought Knight sort of deserved it. Although down the stretch, Bob had been the better goalie. And I'm glad that Bruno kept up with him, at least through these first two games, because I don't want to say he won us that game because the offense did put up five goals, but it's what we wanted. I said, if he's giving up three goals a game or less, the Panthers should be winning. And that's what he's done through those first two games. On the other side of the goaltending, we've basically kind of seen the opposite. In Vitek Vanacek, he only gave up two goals in game one on, I believe it was 32 shots. However, none of the Panthers' opportunities were really high danger. It looked like they were mostly going for just random shots that they could, and that was due in part because they couldn't really get into the zone properly. They couldn't set up anything. So Vanacek was just stopping pretty easy shots. However, we go into game two, when the danger starts to become a little bit higher, the quality of shots become better, and he struggles. He gives up five goals. There were maybe two or three of them where they're like, okay, don't expect him to save, but that Verhage goal is something you, he needs to stop. Probably even that Mason Marchman goal, those are both goals that he should have stopped, and the Panthers are getting lucky with some subpar goaltending from Vanacek. Pretty much in game one, too, Sam Bennett's goal was very similar to Verhage. Just get into the zone, take a wrist shot, and yeah, look, it went behind Vanacek for the goal. That's something you definitely don't want to see if you're a Capitals fan. I did enjoy, uh, you know, if I was a fan of Washington, uh, Peter Laviolette putting in Sam Sonov to end the game yesterday. And he looked pretty solid. I know the Panthers had already won the game and they weren't trying to do too much there, but he was stopping all the shots he had to, didn't let any goals at the end. It was a struggle for them throughout the season with goaltending, and I really wasn't sure who they were going to start in game one. You know, kind of what you think of the Panthers in the past couple of years. Are you going to do Bob game one last year or Drieger? They've both been fine, I guess. But Samsonov definitely deserves to play game three. And if you're a Capitals fan, you just have to be praying right now that he can make the timely saves because Vanacek has not been doing that at all. 
yeah, I don't imagine either of them getting a short leash. And it's another situation where if Sam Sonov comes out in game three and gives up four easy ones, I could see them going right back to Vanacek. They both are just neck and neck with each other. They're neither of them are really great. I think, I don't know if Sam Sonov had a, one of them had a under 900 save percentage this season. Um, they really just haven't been good. And thankfully for the Panthers, they're running into a bad goaltender though. We've seen them get burned by backup goalies time and time again. So, so far through two games, that really isn't the case. They haven't gotten goal lead. I'm still a Panthers fan, still scared that we might see that happen. But I think if we end up dominating periods like we do, like with that third period last night where we outshoot them like 17 to three and completely dominate, I don't see the saves being able to continue to come. I think the Panthers will cash in, especially on subpar goaltending that we'll see as the time goes on and on. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to basically some of the individual players. I think the Panthers have done a decent job locking down Alex Ovechkin. He was a guy who the Panthers needed to come in and basically just limit and basically stop a lot of his shots. And they've done a great job really blocking some of his shots, not giving him a whole lot of opportunities on the power play. They've gotten in those shooting lanes and they just haven't given him much room to work. He had that one nice like toe drag play in game one that Bob made the nice stop on. But besides that, I haven't seen him really getting too many other opportunities so far in the series. Yeah, yesterday was a huge chance for him. Panthers giving, I believe, Marchman a double minor in the second period or at some point in the game. And by the end of that power play, as Ovechkin was staying to the bench, he sure looked frustrated a bit because, you know, that's his signature goal, be on the power play, stand at his usual spot and let it fire in. Uh, he didn't really have many fantastic chances on that double minor. Uh, good saves by Bobrovsky or not good enough puck movement by Washington. Their special teams is really where Washington needs to generate some offense because they got the players to do it. But it hasn't really been clicking for them lately. So definitely they need to improve that if they want some more goals from their star players. Special teams was that one thing coming into the series where the Panthers were the better team by a large margin. Panthers came in like sixth best. Washington, I think, was 23rd best on the power play. However, the Panthers are 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 so far this series on the power play. Of course, a little bit of, you know, getting back into it for Aaron Ekblad, who finally came back in, uh, getting used to playing with Giroux. They're moving away from that five forward power play. So we'll see how that kind of changes as time goes on. But I don't imagine they'll stay 0 for on the power play. I think they'll hopefully cash in in game three, if not game four, and finally start to score a little bit. But I don't imagine they'll stay uh, shut out on this power play as the time goes on. Yeah, definitely not. Game one was a bit weird. couple times pucks were just hitting people's sticks and just coming straight off. So, yeah, I'd take that game with a grain of salt. You probably want, you know, a bit better after yesterday. Uh, but like you mentioned, I highly doubt they're going to stay out for in the next couple games. So should see a couple of extra goals coming from the power play. I think that while we're talking about the power play, we can talk about a little bit about Aaron Ekblad and how he's come back. There's nothing really bad that stood out to me. I don't think he's been uh, as great as he was before the injury, but that's kind of as expected. You don't expect people to be like Nikita Kucherov and jump back Mm -hmm. in and score or three points in their first game back. Uh, whether he was skating or not for three months before then. We don't have to get into that. Uh, he 
there, he hasn't looked bad though. He has had some plays on the power play where he's looked like he's had trouble receiving some passes uh, and it's fallen out of the zone a few times and they've had to reset. But has there been anything about Aaron Ekblad's game that's really stood out to you so far? I mean, to me, he hasn't looked fantastic, like you said. He looked like the liability a little bit to me in game one, but, you know, I gave him benefit of the doubt. It's his first game back. He definitely looked better last night, and I'm only expecting that to improve if they get a couple more games out of this series uh, by the time you might have a game five or game six or hopefully the next round. I expect his defensive game to be just as strong as where it was before and for him to be that power play quarterback you ideally want him to be. And I think a large part of Ekblad's game is also going to play off of how Mackenzie Weger plays. And Weger, who was the guy who Panthers Twitter, everyone yelled at uh, after game one, blamed him for the loss and deservingly so giving up that second goal of the game that should have been icing that wasn't called uh, the lousy turnover that Ovechkin poked away that Kuznetsov then came in on the breakaway to tie it up. He did not have a really great game, game one. I thought he came back. Uh, once again, he wasn't great game two, but it, nowhere near as bad game, uh, nowhere near as bad as game one. And this is something I think we saw as well last year against Tampa with Uyghur, where he struggles a little bit in the playoffs. He got, he was starting off last year's playoff paired up with uh, Gustav Forsling and then ended up with Anton Strawman. And when he ended up with Strawman, he actually somehow got better uh, defensively in that series. But we're here again where he's struggling a little bit through these first two games. Do you think there's something with the playoffs with him where he's choking a little bit under pressure? What do you think is up with Uyghur? Do you think he'll get better as the season goes, series goes on? I mean, like you like to say about these last couple of playoff runs, definitely small sample size, but it is a bit worrying. If you want him to take the next step in his career, you got to perform in the playoffs as well. I wonder with his play improving under Strawman, if you have to kind of force him to step up. And, you know, when he's playing with Ekblad, you'd expect to have that good defensive partner to, you know, take care of some of your mistakes. I'd be interested to see if that's a real relationship or not. And if you put him with maybe a worse defenseman on the team, how he performs and maybe is willing to step up. I was a bit worried with him. Game one, you know, Akwa just coming back. I was expecting him to be kind of the leader of the defenseman, I guess, while he was adjusting and, was not the leader they needed. Last game, still a bit shaky. Hopefully, once he settles some nerves, potentially, he'll be back to his regular season self. At least that's the hope. That is the hope. And I mean, I think it it has to regress to the mean. He was so good in the regular season that I struggle to find the way that he'll continue to play the way he's been playing. I think if it does last, though, you almost have to think about going pairing him back up with Ben Chirot I don't know who you then pair Ekblad with maybe that's Forsling but I saw a lot of hot takes over Panthers Twitter people saying Uyghurs not even close to the second best defenseman on the team which I disagree with I think he's Forsling is great but I don't think he's better than Forsling at all although maybe switching up some of those pairings could work out for the Panthers and we'll just see really how it works I'm curious to see what Andrew Brunette does But speaking about changing the lines, Andrew Brunette did do that with the forward core after game one. 
He came out today and said that the lines basically for game two should stay around the same for game three, but he did a lot of mix, mixing and matching. The first thing he did was he took out Ryan Lomberg for Nolachari. And that was a little bit surprising because you think in the playoffs, you want someone with grit. You want someone who's not afraid to throw the body, not afraid to get into some fights. And Ryan Lomberg has always kind of been that guy on this team. I never thought Lomberg's been a weak spot. Achari came in. He had the least amount of time on ice on the team uh, in last night's game. So I'm curious what they do there. Did you notice anything between Lomberg or Achari or anything like that, Sterling? I mean, I genuinely don't remember seeing Achari on the ice last game. And that is not he good. Was, you, yeah, he was you, very not noticeable. You definitely need guys to step up, even the fourth line. Like, hey, remember last year, Ryan Lomberg, overtime winner. You can't just have Achari standing around. Like, even though he hasn't been a liability, he wasn't a liability in the last game. You definitely want him to play somewhat well and try to contribute a bit. I would like to see Lomberg back if, this continues for sure um you know Achari's been in the playoffs he won deep game seven cup final but I don't think it's worth that intangible if he's not going to step up on the ice I I mean I'd agree I think Lomberg also is great defensively which helps uh playing against a Washington team although they have been very defensive but Lomberg has a little bit of speed that he can use to try and get through uh the 1-3-1 that Washington's going to run so I wouldn't mind seeing him of course he has that amazing game three overtime goal that every Panthers fan loves one of the greatest Panthers goals in recent memory, which is kind of sad to say that a meaningless game three playoff goal, but you know, uh, I would like to kind of see uh, Lomberg back in the lineup, but I don't know if we'll see that for game three. We also saw some mixing and matching between the lines itself, where in the game we saw Huberto go up and play with Barkov and Duclair a little bit. They moved for down a line and they started off with, Reinhardt going up to the second line and Drew coming down to the third line. Then that ended up switching back and they moved Reinhardt back over to Lundell. Were there any lines that kind of stood out to you that Bruno, that Bruno went with during the course of the game? I mean, for me, I watch a lot of the Edmonton Oilers because they're a really fun offensive team who doesn't know how to play defense. But with that team, you always see, you know, what is the coach going to do with McDavid and Dreisaitl? Are they going to go one, two? Are you going to put them together? And I think with this Panthers team, I didn't really notice too much of a difference between maybe Huberto with Barkov and Verhege going down. And I think that's definitely a good thing. They're a really deep offensive core. And, you know, if this is some matchup decisions that Bruno's making mid-game. I'm not an NHL coach. He is. And maybe he sees something that I don't. I don't really understand maybe some of those small changes at the moment. But I can't say that they haven't been working out. They got a big win yesterday and really didn't look too bad outside of that tough beginning. So if he wants to continue switching that top six around, go ahead until it doesn't work in my mind. I think there's so many different combinations that really anything you do should be able to work at least. However, I want to keep Reinhardt and Lundell together. They look so good together. I just love seeing them uh, basically on the same line. If March Mint wants to go ahead and move up to that top line, I wouldn't be opposed to that because 
I'm a huge Mason Marchment fan and <laughs> Marchment for heart, but that's not going to happen, but I love Marchment. Uh, hopefully they can find a way to re-sign him in the off season. I don't know if they'll be able to, he's probably going to get paid by some team that gives him a five by five, but we'll see. I think anyway that Bruno draws it up, the Panthers should be just fine and hopefully they can use their speed, get past that one, three, one and scoring first to open up the game, open up the ice a little bit and get to some of those odd man rushes. I think that's got to be the keys to the future of the series. Do you have any other big keys that you want to see from the Panthers? Look, if it gets frustrating, just be the Flyers, do nothing, get that one goal and call it a day. Um, golden tip it, baby. Oh, yeah. But no, I think I'm very excited for game three. I don't know if I'd actually call it a defining game of the series. It's going to be tough for the Panthers to come back if they do drop it. But I'm very confident in this core. And clearly they showed yesterday they could rebound from a tough loss. So it's going to be a fun afternoon game. Wish it was evening, but oh well. And yeah, I'm not too worried. The Panthers haven't led in a playoff series since they won game five in 2012 against the New Jersey Devils. So 10 full years since they have led in a playoff series. They have the chance to finally change that. Tomorrow, is it 1 p.m. game, I believe? It's yeah, 1, 1, p.m. 1 p.m. on a Saturday. Great time, NHL. <laughs> then they go 7 p.m. Monday and then just announced 7.30 Wednesday for game five. Try and get out there, get to some games. The environment at these last two Panthers games have been really incredible. Two straight sellouts. We finally are starting to turn South Florida into a hockey town. I've absolutely loved it. The stadium has been electric. And I hope to see you all there. Sterling, thank you so much for joining me. You want to plug your Twitter, plug wherever people can find you? <laughs> yeah, sure. You can find me, like Dylan said, at Isles X Cats. That's Isles as an Islanders, lowercase x, capital C, cats. But capitalization doesn't matter. So you'll probably find me interacting in Dylan's replies a bit on Twitter. So, yeah, feel free to say hi or anything you want it's the internet uh yeah enjoy the next few games it's a fun time of the season don't take it for granted as i did with the islanders exactly hopefully we make our way to finally win a playoff round for the first time since 1996 sterling thank you so much for joining everyone i hope you enjoyed listening and take care everyone have a good day